Well, my message tonight is a little different. Turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Well, 1 and 2. And I want to give you just a few little things that here. And then along with that, I, I have a couple other verses I just want to give you beforehand. The Lord impressed me with these, and then he gave me this other message. All right. First of all, 1 John 1, 9. I want to just go through a couple verses here, first of all. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think about Brother Doffett when he was alive down in Moorhead City, North Carolina, Pastor Eburn's church, and whenever they'd have their Bible verses like we have, he'd always quote the same verse. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, must, that verse must have meant a lot to him. That's the only one he ever quoted that I ever heard. Amen. He quoted that same verse, that same verse. Thank God for his forgiveness. Faithful and just to forgive us. Aren't you glad if we confess our sins? The question is, are we confessing our sins? Are we confessing our sins? You've got to confess them to get forgiveness of your sins. Otherwise, you go on in your sin and rebellion. If we confess, there, if there, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. May God help us to confess him. Then 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people, there's another if, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then, we could say then and only then, will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. What do we have to do? Humble ourselves so that God doesn't have to humble us. God will bring you down. If you won't bring yourself down, God will bring you down. God resisteth the proud. Pride is an abomination to God. A proud look. It's abomination to God. That should not be the thing that's spoken of you as a Christian, sister or brother. You should not think, people should not think that you're a proud person. And pride and arrogancy go right together in the scriptures so often they're mentioned together. Ask God to take pride, all pride from you, and you ask God for his humility. Humility. That doesn't mean you don't thunder forth the great doctrines of the Scripture. That doesn't mean you don't speak out against sin, but you need humility. As you, we need to walk before the Lord in humility of mind. Your mind. Our minds need to be humble. We need to do like it said this morning, condescend to men of low estate. We shouldn't be always uh, pampering and and those that are in giving gifts to the rich to seek their favor, we ought to find some poor people to help out. Jesus sent, the, sent Judas out often to give to the poor. They were poor themselves. Now, does it say that in 2 Corinthians? They gave out of their poverty to meet the need of the other church, the church in Jerusalem from the church at Antioch. That's when we get a blessing, humble ourselves. Seek his face. Pray. 
and turn from our wicked ways. Then another one, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Mm. I read about the great David in my personal devotions. And I read about his great sin. It was a great sin. The more I think about his sin, the greater it becomes. He shed innocent blood. Uriah the Hittite, he stole his wife, so he was a thief, sure enough. Stole her purity toward her husband. And then he had him killed and sent the very note right in the hands of David. You talk about brass. You talk about arrogance. And that's not all. He tried to get him drunk, too. He did get him drunk, but he wasn't drunk enough to not show his concern. I'm telling you, the sin of David was great. So great that Nathan said, thou shalt not die. He should have died. He committed murder, though he was the king, and he committed adultery. And God said, I'll tell you what. You killed Uriah with the sword of Joab or the people that were shooting down from the wall. Others died alongside of Uriah the Hittite. David was responsible for the blood of every one of those men that died so he could get rid of Uriah the Hittite. I'm telling you, the sin of David was heinous. It was wicked. And yet he was the man after God's own heart. Terrible. And God said, the sword that you used of the enemy or the arrow, the sword... The sword shall never leave your home. The blood will flow freely. Your daughter Tamar, Absalom's sister, will be raped by Amnon. And then Amnon will be killed. Amnon was the firstborn, you remember. He was the firstborn of David. That's the one who usually got the kingdom. And he went in and sinned with his sister. And then, then he didn't like her at all, you see. And what happened? So Amnon got killed two years later by Absalom. Then Absalom rebelled against his own father. Oh, was he a proud one. He weighed his hair. He'd pull his hair once a year. Cut his hair shorter. I looked up the word pulled, and it means shaved almost. In the dictionary, I looked it up. Shaved, cut it real short, and he weighed his hair once a year. They said there was no flaw in him. You see, but he was of the wrong tribe. Amen. And, his, and yet, though he was a handsome Though he was the beauty of Israel, his heart was wicked as hell itself. For he rebelled against his own father. Tried to take the kingdom from David, his father. Went into his own father's concubines at the advice of a wicked man who later went out and hung himself. And then the very vanity of vanity is hair. He must have had very soft hair. Very different hair and beautiful hair, for it wouldn't have made so much of it in the Bible. But the very thing he, he gloried in got caught up in the oak tree and hung him there. His hair hung him. As Roloff said the day that God hung a hippie. A father-hating hippie. Wickedness beyond compare. And then Joab shot the darts through his heart. But Joab, he lost his life too. Joab was a relative of David. Check it out in the Bible. Then what about the other one? Ahithophel, one of those, not Ahithophel, one of the young men, 
Hazel, whatever, he gets killed by Abner, you remember, and the, the, the spear in the back, Abner tried to get him to go aside, and he, I don't even know if uh, Abner and Amasa and some of those were not relatives of David, but I'm telling you, a lot of them were relatives of David, and they died and died. Then his own son, what's the other son? He died after, after David died. What's his name? Adonijah. He, he wanted Abishag, you remember. And what? Solomon said, take his, take his life. He spoke that against his own life. Oh, David, why would, you, why would you kill an innocent man and take his wife and try to cover the sin up? Oh, and he was the man of God. Listen, we're, we're liable, if we're not prayerful, to do some of the most wicked, wicked things. David got forgiveness, but the blood never left his home. The sword never left the home of David after that because he'd used the sword the wrong way. Oh, don't. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth him shall have mercy. Now back to Matthew chapter 1. You know, there's something here that I saw that I've never really seen before. God spoke to Joseph. By the way, I heard a sermon when I first came here to this uh, area at a pastor's fellowship, and the sermon was about Joseph and how wonderful Joseph was the choice, the New, the New Testament Joseph, the, uh, the, the wife of Mary, the Virgin Mary, and how, how that uh, Joseph, it says that he took Jesus up to the temple as he was prone to do, or up to the synagogue, as he was prone, to, you know, and as he did aforetime. Joseph was a faithful godly choice by Almighty God, just like Mary was the choice of God to bring up the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was just the guardian, he listened to God. And God spoke to him three times now. I know he spoke to Mary first, just like Manoah. You know, God spoke to Manoah, Manoah's wife, I mean, Samson's mother, before he spoke to Manoah. So the same way God spoke to Mary first. Well, don't you think it would be uh, just a wonderful thing to tell her she's going to have a a baby boy? Not to get her so shocked that she doesn't know what, how is all this happening? Well, God had something to do with it. Hallelujah. God, this is going to be the God man, the savior of the world. But Joseph, three times, three times, uh, it's mentioned in uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Look with me first the first time. And it's uh, in verse, chapter 1, verse 19. It says, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son. God speaks to him. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph obeyed the Lord, but God spoke to Joseph. 
Hey, when something needed to be done to protect Mary and baby Jesus, God spoke to the man. He didn't go to the wife. He went to the one in charge. Amen. And thank God Joseph heard the voice of the angel and he obeyed. Listen, you men are responsible for your whole family. I'm responsible for my family. We men need to be cautious. We don't let our wives run our home. Hello? It says that Sarah called her husband Abraham Lord. And Abraham made some mistakes. Oh, yes. He called her a half-sister. You remember and all that? She's my sister and all that. And Isaac went and did the same thing down there in Egypt, down in those areas. But she called her husband Lord. The implication is there in the New Testament that she, she thought her husband was really somebody. And she was going to do what God wanted her to do. Not like Michael, who was the daughter of Saul. And she knew how to do everything perfectly right. For she was King Saul's daughter before David married her. She was, she was very accustomed to how King Saul handled himself educationally and culturally and everything with sophistication. So much that when David took off his outer garment like we might do as a preacher of the gospel and danced before the ark of God, and she comes out at a time when she should have appreciated. She's a lot like Job's wife, only I believe worse, because she didn't have occasion to do this. She said, oh, wasn't the king glorious today? He was coming back. He said it was before the Lord. And by the way, God chose me above your father in his house. She rebuked, just like Bastii didn't come. When King Ahuzerus said, I want you to come. And she was maybe drunk or had her women over somewhere, and she didn't come to the king. And the whole kingdom was in an uproar because she didn't obey her husband. So someone jumped up and one of his senators said, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's choose us another queen and put away Vastii and get us another queen. Because if not, there's going to be contempt all over America, which there is today, by women that don't obey their husband, make a spectacle of their husband, embarrass their husband in front of all these people. That's common today. And there better not be common in Tabernacle Baptist Church. Hello? Amen? We're to be of a meek and quiet spirit. Some of you girls have a little problem with that. Amen? You ask God for a double portion. If God gave it to Elisha, he could give you a double portion of humility and quietness. That's what they used to do with me. Throw the key away. Shut your mouth. And they used to take lies, soap, and everything. I don't think my mother ever did that. I'd have remembered it. She never did that. I was such a good boy. My brother, though, he must have gotten a lot of soap in his mouth. He'd always test mom. I didn't think it was wise because I always had to meet dad. Amen? Oh, I'm telling you. 
But oh, it wasn't it terrible with Bastia? But here comes Michael. Oh, wasn't the king glorious? I mean, they're, they're, having, they're, they're striking up the band. And, and finally, the second time, the ark is brought in the second time. And God had killed Uzzah the first time. And David's trying to do it right this time. And his wife comes out. Oh, wasn't the king glorious? God said, Michael had no more children by David. No more children. I don't think David should have ever gone and brought her back after she was given to faulty, because we have that in Deuteronomy. Amen? You with me? So after she's defiled, you're not to take her back. He took her back. He said, I won't receive the kingdom unless I have Michael. You already have six wives. Abigail and Ahinoam and all these other ones. But I don't know, some of the commentators don't say that it was unbelievably terrible, but it does mention it. It's Jeremiah too. Jeremiah, the first verse of one of the chapters in Jeremiah talks about a wife being put away. You're not to go back and get her again. Hello? So if people come up to you and say, I, I was married before, and now I'm married again, and should I go back to my first wife? No, the Bible says no. After that she's defiled you're not supposed to go back to your first wife you stay in the state you're in you don't mess it all up by leaving the the wife you're with now hello amen and then you could get into a lot of other things what if they're in the in africa and they've got many wives and then i'd you know what i think you, you ought to do in that situation pray 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 and you better, not, you better not tell them the wrong thing. It'd be better for you to say, I don't know, but you cannot be a preacher or a deacon. Amen? You cannot be a member of your church either. Oh, I don't know what to do. Amen? Thank God for monogamy. Isn't that the way they call it? That's one wife. Amen? Thank God for that law in America. They're allowing this stuff at the Super Bowl. What's next in America? Woman, I'm telling you, she should have gone to jail. I said she should have gone to jail. I said she should have gone to jail. We are so passive in this country. When will we get upset about something? Get something done. Got a bunch of men that are pansies. Pacifists. Thank God for President Bush. I think he's got some guts intestinal fortitude about things and some character. Won't God give us some men back with some character? Say something and mean it. Do something about it. Speak up and forget what they say about them. This politically correct stuff is ruining our country. It's going to ruin our opportunities to get the gospel out soon, too. May God help us. God chooses a man. So that was the first time. Get my bearings here. Three different times. There's the first one. The second one I'd like to go over to. Verse 13 of chapter 2. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord. This is after Herod. Herod 
And the, the wise men asked about all where the Christ child should be. And look what it says here. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And, he and when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And that's in Hosea 11, verse 1 is the quote for that. The star is in Numbers that they saw in verse number 9 is in Numbers 24. In verse 17, 2 and 17. And then, the fulfillment of this, it says is about the prophets. In Ramah, verse 18, there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children would not be comforted because they are not. That's Jeremiah 31, 15. All these quotes of the Old Testament about our lovely Lord Jesus, the Savior. Of the world. And then our third time is verse 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, not to Mary, to Joseph. Why? He's the one in charge of protecting the family. Did you know that's why the deer, the buck, is bigger than the, than the uh, most of the time, bigger than the doe? And he's the more colorful one to take the enemy away. You know, to, and, and what? He's the one with the rack of racks, amen? Why? He's, he's going to use that rack to fight. And what? She needs that protection of the color. They're very uncolorful. You look at the ducks. All those things, they're very, they don't have the color. Why? The color is to draw them away so that the young can be protected and she can sit right on her young. Protect them. God knows what he's doing. And the Bible says the woman is the weaker vessel. Listen, I believe women are weaker emotionally. Um, even if, I, I, if you don't get too upset with me, I might even put it in intellectually there. And you can ask Brother Joe Grab about the, the scores, the scores of, of the people who really know the stuff, really know it all. And I'll tell you who's the ones that play the chess and win the chess games. It's the men. Hello, ladies. Sorry to pop your bubble. Amen? And you check with Brother Grab, and he'll get you the statistics about the best minds in math and the best ones in English. And he says they are men. I'm not saying women can't be ahead of their man in that area. I'm talking about all of them together. Hello? Hello? You say, well, I thought we were all equal. Well, it's not in the Bible. Amen? Emotionally, and we know physically women are not as strong as men. I mean, can you imagine having the women playing basketball against these giant guys? It would be hilarious. I'm talking about the women that really know how to play ball. I mean, the best you can find. I mean, you put them against these guys and it'll still be a laugh. Yes? Huh? You don't have to have rough game like football. I'm telling you, God made us bigger and stronger and with a greater capacity physically. 
Because we're to fight off those that would hurt our spouse and hurt our children. The mother is there to comfort. When daddy's not there, she's there to protect, but often they're not very protective because they need the man around. Hello? Are you with me? I, I hope you've not been beguiled by the media and everything you read is so duped. It's so duped, you'd almost think that men could have babies. Huh? Come on now. Huh? It's so upside down and backwards, you'd almost think that today. Honestly, that's how crazy people are. I am not a girl, and I don't want to be a girl. And if you're a girl, you should, you're not a boy, and you ought not to want to be a boy. You ought to be thankful for the Lord, uh, for how God made you. You say, well, I'm not as pretty as this one. Well, thank God you can be pretty inside, if not pretty on the outside, and just do the best you can with what you have. Some guy will think you're beautiful. Amen? And why do you want everyone to think you're beautiful anyhow when you just want your husband to think you're beautiful anyhow? Amen. Amen. No, so, some of these women, well, I'm the ugly duckling in the family. Well, then, glory be to God, be the best organist you can be or the best violinist you can be. Amen? Well, I'm the little runt in the family. And then there's Luke. Well, if he keeps growing like he's growing, he's going to have a hard time getting under, under any of these doors. He's going to be knock, about knocking about five, uh, five or six or seven inches off every time, boom, boom, like my unc my, one of my uh, cousins, my father's nephews or cousins. He had to duck every door in our house. He just, boom. Every one of them was like our, our uh, what do you think, overhang over here. Brother Hamlin hit his head the other day. Might be a blessing. Keep the brains in your head not to be quite so tall. And I know women glory in their beauty, they glory in their hair, and the men glory in their strength. I know that. Let's keep it that way too. Amen. Men, don't, don't try to be pretty. Just make your, sure if, if your parents think you ought to, your hair ought to be combed, comb it. Amen. Look nice. Amen. Don't look too pretty for these girls. Be a man. That's more important. Amen? Have some character. But keep playing those instruments. I, I was delighted as I asked the ones down there in Mexico. I said, how many of you play instruments? Almost every boy there played two instruments and some three. I was pleasantly surprised. That is wonderful. That doesn't make you feminine like some people think. That's wonderful. And if you can't play an instrument, maybe you've got a voice that can sing. If not, you can say amen to the ones that are singing and playing. Amen? Just be, be, be what God wants you to be. And praise Him for it. But Joseph, God chose him. Look what he says here. The angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And he goes on about how he went. Well, I need to finish this out because there's something else I want to give you here. It says here, uh, But when he heard that Aurelicus 
did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So here, it looks like not even three, but four times God spoke to him in a dream. The angel of the Lord came and spoke to Joseph. Didn't speak to Mary at this time. But she had the great, she was the one who gave the great praise to God. I don't, don't, I'm not minimizing Mary. Look at her magnificent, they call it the Magnificat. Her glorifying God with her tongue. Praising the Lord for this child. But Joseph's the one who's got to take the family where they're supposed to go for safety. And he came and dwelt in a, in a city of, called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. And I looked this up just before I came tonight because I wanted to know what the great Mr. Henry thought about it. And then I looked in John Calvin's and then I looked in one of my other commentaries because I had another commentary on Matthew. And two of them agreed with this. The other one seems to be a little bit more liberal in their thinking, though it looks very antiquish. Yet Matthew Henry and John Calvin, they both said this. This fact that he shall be called a Nazarene, both of them stated that in Judges 13.5, look there for a moment, Judges 13.5, that this Christ is the antitype of Samson and of Joseph in the Bible. And so Judges chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now we know that Jesus was not a Nazarite, but he seems to be an antitype of Samson. Both of these great commentators hold to this. That this is, in other words, he was, what, what it is, it was the, the uh, bow of separation unto God. And who was more separated unto God than the Lord Jesus Christ? He was the one that was separated from, from all sin, separate from all sin, separate from all sinners. It says separate from sinners. He was the impeccably pure one. And what about that? Though he did partake, we know of the fruit of the vine, we know that, and uh, yet he is such a wonderful type of one who is a Nazarite, and his whole life is devoted to God Almighty, for he's the God-man himself. And then the other one is Joseph of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy, turn to Deuteronomy chapter, uh, well, yes, uh, 33, 16. 33, 16. And for the precious things of the earth, and fullness thereof, and for the good will of him that dwelt in the bush, let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph and upon the top of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. You remember he was sold into Egypt. 
And we know that Joseph is, is the most perfect type of Christ in the Old Testament. Then look at Genesis 49, 26. Genesis 49 and verse 26 tells us this. The blessings of thy father. This is Genesis 49, verse 26. Of thy father hath prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Wasn't he unbelievably different and separated and separate from his brothers? And what did the Lord do? Exalted him. And so, both of these great commentators, and I will say amen to that, because it, it, it brings to light the truth of my preaching in days gone by about Samson. The great Mr. Henry says there as well, I don't know what John Calvin says, but he says that Samson was definitely, the great Mr. Henry, definitely a type of Christ in the way he died and he did more in his death than he did in his life. And yet what? Samson was all his life a Nazarite. All his life. Joseph was, was separated unto God in an unbelievably believable way. And gave, given the double portion, in a sense, as well. And so, hallelujah for our Christ. He's better than the Nazarites, amen? He's better than anybody separated unto God. For what does it say? His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm telling you, God's separate from sinners. And what do we see in Joseph's life? Joseph was bringing up the evil of his brothers. The evil report of his, his half-brothers. And he was put in the pit. Why? Because God gave him dreams. Praise God, our, our Jesus had miracles. I'll tell you what. Samson was the miracle man. Everything about him, his whole life was a riddle. Samson. Where did he get this strength? He got his strength from God. I told that barber yesterday, I said, what about Samson? You act like Samson didn't have the power of God. I said, he took the gates of the city, the bars and all, and went miles with them. Took the jawbone of an ass and slew a thousand people with it. Not just a thousand people, a thousand soldiers. Soldiers, They had weapons, did they not? not? Nothing to compare with the jawbone of the ass and the mighty hand, arm of God Almighty, wheeling that arm against those devils, those anti-God Dagon worshipers. Praise God for Samson. God puts him in the heroes of the faith. You ought to, you ought to say something good about Samson. Amen? He sure failed. Delilah got him to take his strength from him. He's down there grinding, but praise God, his hair is growing back. He's getting ready for the final one, amen? He's getting ready for his greatest work. Our Jesus was put in jail too, hallelujah. They thought they had him, didn't they? They made sport of our Jesus. They made sport of Samson until he said, where's the poles where the whole house sits on? Let me lean on them. Oh, did he want to lean on them? Amen. And did he lean on them? 
Glory be! And all their mocking and all their, all their drunkenness and all their tomfoolery and all their wickedness of sport making him, uh, mocking him. They mocked our Jesus and mocked him even at the cross. Come on down from the cross if you be the Son of God. Samson, they mocked Samson. And all of a sudden, their, their mocking was brought to silence as he pushed out the poles of the whole place and it all came down. And in his death, our Jesus did more than he did in his whole life. He came to die. And Samson did more. 3,000 were killed. And as I've told you before, an engineer told me it was virtually impossible for every one of those 3,000 to die unless God killed them. I'm telling you, Samson's life was just one big miracle. And my Lord Jesus, my, never a man spake like this man. Even the winds and the waves obey him. The soldiers came back and they said, well, why didn't you apprehend him? You wouldn't have apprehended him either. I've never heard anybody talk like that before. Amen? There at the cross of Jesus Christ, before the cross, I think he said, I am he, and they all fell backward. The Bible says he could have called 12 legions of angels. But hallelujah, he just laid down like the lamb and said, for this hour came I into the world. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the earth shook, shook and shook. The Son of God is dying. In the darkness for three hours before this, and three days later, glory be to God, the earth quaked again. Two earthquakes within three days. God Almighty shaking everybody up. The Son of God died in Calvary. The Son of God came out of the tomb. Man alive. They were talking about it. There was darkness that could be felt for three hours. Even the unbelievers said, what's going on around here? And it was no eclipse and all that mess either. I don't believe in all that bunch of foolishness. It was God Almighty, a miracle. And he shook the earth when his son came out of the grave and he, he was seen of above 500 at one time on those 40 days. Ate fish, ate the bread. Praise God. Rebuked Peter. Amen. Oh, I tell you, business and the fishing business picks up when Jesus is on the shore in his resurrected state. Cast on the other side and you shall find. Oh, that we put Jesus in the driver's seat of our life. You know what one fellow said? I was listening to this, this sermon. I'll try to close with that. And he said, he said what we have, this, this very uh, nice pastor came up and told this brother, he said, I, I believe I need to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit of God. And, the, and he just told the, he drove up in a Cadillac and he, he told this this brother who was preaching, he said, I, I believe I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. He'd already told him how his church was growing and his church was doing well. And, 
and all the people were coming and this and that. And, and he said, and the man said, you're not ready. He said, what do you mean I'm not ready? He said, until you get to the place where you forget your big church, forget your, your Cadillac you just drove up in, forget all this other stuff. All you want to do is get a little, a little more power so you can add to your prominence and your growth and all the other stuff. You want to add that. He said, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to take the keys to your vehicle and give them to God Almighty, and then open the trunk of the car, get in the trunk of the car, shut the trunk down, and then God will be ready to do something with you. Not just in the back seat, get in the trunk. <laughs> Glory. Too many of us want to tell God how to bless us. And he, wants to, he will bless us as he delights to bless us. And it'll only be when we humble ourselves and lift him up. Well, just to recap, Joseph was used of God to be the leader, the director, the helper, the protector, the one to take Mary, sweet, precious, pure Mary, and then to take the Lord Jesus, those different places, and then even this thing of Nazareth, being a Nazarene. Some say, well, it says in the prophets, and that wasn't the prophets. Well, often other books of the Bible are talked like being the prophets. Then Samuel. What about Samuel? What about him? You kind of feel like he was the last of the judges. I don't know all about that, but both of these commentators say that, that Jesus, in a certain regard, was a Nazarite as well. Spiritually, if not evidently and actually. So, nobody like our Jesus, though. Nobody pure. If the Nazarites were pure, Jesus was pure. Let's stand to our feet.